Hello, my fellow health and safety professionals. We are coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Fonz, Laverne and Shirley, and beer. How could it get any better than that? This is Ted Speaks Live, episode number four, Human Factors. Our podcast will focus on keeping people safe, families together, and growing your career in short eight to 10 minute segments. I am your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. I have over 25 years of health and safety experience in both manufacturing and construction. I have started my career in the field and worked my way up to safety director. I also coach football. With this being my background, I want to share my experiences with you to improve your career and your company. Halloween. It is that time of the year already. Halloween is a fun holiday that parents and kids can enjoy together. But parents are always trying to keep their kids safe, not so scary. We do this by making sure that we stick together in familiar neighborhoods. Look both ways before we cross the street and checking the buckets of candy to make sure that there isn't anything unnecessary. Unfortunately, this year, we have to add the COVID-19 to the list of scary things. Is it safe to trick-or-treat during COVID-19? Experts share Halloween health and safety tips. A recent Harris poll suggests that 70% of moms are making plans and the most of it of Halloween with their families, with 80% all surveyed saying that headed out to trick-or-treat is the top of their list this Halloween. The main risks to trick-or-treating are joining a big group of trick-or-treaters, planning to team up with a group of friends or trick-or-treat this Halloween. Know that visiting people from house to house or staying close together for hours on end brings the transmission level up of COVID especially in tight quarters where kids usually try to keep their mask on. No haunted houses this year. Hopefully your trick-or-treat interaction at any given door or porch is a very brief. Keep it brief as we possibly can. This means less than a few seconds. But the more households you visit, the greater the chances you are of spreading it or lingering, especially as others head from door to door too. Touching candy, toys, doors, and other surfaces, it's the least concern risk for parents as washing your hands frequently or using hand sanitizer can prevent little ones from carrying germs from home to home. Parents should be concerned if their child is likely to rub their eyes, pick their nose, or put their fingers in their mouth while their hands are dirty. Some helpful hints. Trick or treat in groups of three to four kids. Wear masks. Use hand sanitizer. Don't dig around for the perfect piece of candy. Don't share Halloween costume props with others. Stay outside while trick-or-treating. You may not need to disinfect candy wrappers, but you could let the candy sit at home for a few days before digging in, which is going to be a challenge with your kids. If you're staying home and want to provide candy for trick-or-treaters, please wear a mask when answering the door. You could also leave a bowl on the porch to just avoid this from digging to their favorite types of candy, which all kids do. Human factors. Human factors affect safety. By the positive safety coach, me. Does anyone go to work intending to get hurt? Okay, we all have our few employees that sometimes we wonder, right? But overall, I would say no. There's a very, very small percentage of employees that go to work for us each and every day that want to get hurt. I truly believe that. We all have lives that we want to be home with our families. 
I tell people all the time, work to live, not live to work. And I truly believe this. One subject that I believe is one of the biggest reasons why people get hurt is human factors. Human factors examine the workplace, factors that influence the decision actions of our workers and our employees. Up to 90% of accidents are linked to some degree of human factors. To say that an accident is due to human failing is like saying falls are due to gravity. It's true, but it really doesn't tell us anything. Here's an example I always like to use. In 1848, in Vermont, while working on a railroad, foreman named Various Gage, who had several years of experience working on the railroad and was a foreman. His job was to tap in black powder in a holes with a spike. He knew the dangers of the black powder. He had been working with it for many years and knew what happened when it ignited. For some reason, on this particular day, he decided to use a hammer and a spike. Well, you can only imagine what really happened. As you know what can happen when you put two metal objects together, causes friction, and that's what happened. A spark ignited. The powder and the spike Mr. Gage was using flew up through his right eye. Why would anyone with his knowledge and experience do this? Mr. Gage survived, but due to his damage of his frontal lobe, which caused serious personal behavior problems, his friends said he was never the same person after this incident. As many of you know, the aviation and nuclear industries have some of the safest records and have done the most research on human factors. This could be why they are some of the safest industries. Have you ever watched a show Air Disasters? They are always looking at how human factors influence the outcome. This is why I enjoy watching this particular show. Another example, Emerald's Flight 407 was scheduled international passenger flight operated by Emeralds from Melbourne to Dubai using an Airbus aircraft. On March 30th, 2009, a flight failed to take off properly from Melbourne Airport, hitting several structures at the end of the runway before eventually climbing enough to return to the airport and have a safe landing. Although no fatalities or injuries resulted, damage to the airplane was severe and the Australian Transportation Safety Bureau said this was an accident. It was a lucky accident. It has been described as close as we have ever come to a major aviation incident. By aviation officials, what were the causes of this accident? Pre-flight takeoff calculations were based on incorrect takeoff weights. They based it on 243 tons rather than 343 tons. 100 ton difference. That is a big difference. The weight was entered into a takeoff performance software on a different laptop than the airplane. The captain then took that information and manually entered it into the airplane computer. The captain noticed what was wrong halfway through the runway and took over control of this airplane to maximum thrust. That probably is what saved the plane. Also, the captain had flown 99 hours in the last month, one hour below the minimum. He had slept 3.5 hours in the last 24 hours before the flight. Also, excessively complex systems for takeoff speeds to transfer them manually to an automatic system by hand was not a good idea. And our last example of human factors playing a part in unsafe actions was Chernobyl. Have you ever heard of it? In this nuclear field, you don't find your average employees there. They pick some of the smartest, brightest people to operate these nuclear plants. They had a technician who knowingly maintained the reactor at Chernobyl, bringing down it to an unsafe condition. And why did they do this? 
to do a safety study. The fact is that we can misperceive situations despite the best of our intentions is one of the main reasons that our decisions and actions can be flowed, such as human beings being silly, regardless of their experience, intelligence, and motivation. People make mistakes. Some factors that can cause us to make errors. Limited memory capacity. Fatigue, something that aviation and nuclear plants are looking at and working on. Stress. Hunger. Might need a Snickers bar, maybe. Illnesses, if somebody's not feeling well. Language barriers. And then hazardous attitudes, people that do not necessarily have good attitudes. Human factors affect us in a lot of ways. Maybe it is the person driving next to you who is texting. Or maybe it's the person next to you that didn't get enough sleep. We need to know our employees so that we can watch them for these signs to make sure that they don't hurt themselves or anybody else. We have a special guest on line with us today is Corey Muller. He is the safety coordinator with Miller Electric Manufacturing in Appleton, Wisconsin. And Corey is going to talk to us a little bit about human factors and exactly what they're doing at Miller Electric Manufacturing to implement human factors. Corey, first of all, thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Ted. I'm glad to be here. Yes. We just kind of wanted to get what's your input, what some of the things that you guys may be doing at Miller Electric Manufacturing to implement human factors and what the importance that you guys feel that that has on safety at your organization. Okay. Um, Some details as to uh, some of the things that we're doing here at Miller Electric regarding human factors, because my background, I'm a human resources professional. That's what my degree is in. And I've been involved in the safety aspect of that for a number of years. And now my focus has been primarily in safety. And uh, so trying to understand the human factors is part of you know human resources. It's part of every position that a company has, but there's a psychological component of it. And we're able to take that into the safety arena and try to understand you know why people do certain things or why they don't do certain things. So yeah, trying to get our employees involved, part of the safety process, as opposed to being told what to do really trying to understand why they should do something that they should do. And just trying to understand the psychological component of things that we do every day. What are some of the things that you guys do every day in and out to really try to focus on those human factors? Because as you know, Corey, those are tough, right? Especially with the cell phones we have nowadays, we have so many factors going on, plus our family and stuff like that. What are you guys doing on a daily basis that might help your employees just to be more aware of that? Yeah, some of the things that we do... We really try to, as I mentioned before, engage the employees in the decision-making process. So if we have something come up, we don't want to come in as leaders and truly try to say, we understand the problem and here's the solution. So what you want to do, what we do here at Miller, is we work with all the individuals that are involved with a particular situation and try to talk it through. We want to kind of engage all the employees in the decision-making process as part of the problem-solving. You know, find out what is the issue, you know, why is it occurring, find out, you know, possible solutions, and then have everyone participate in the corrective action. Because in that way, you're hearing from all parties. It could be from the assembler. It could be from a supervisor. It could be from an executive. It can be from a manufacturing engineer. Everybody that may have a little bit to contribute to the overall solution. And once again, really engaging the employees as part of the process. Because if you want to have a solution to be successful, you want to have you know, all the parties involved with that. If you want something to fail, 
just tell somebody to do something and they don't really understand, you know, why are we doing it? They don't see the why behind it. So getting people engaged in the process, and that's what we try to do. We engage the employees you know, by having committees or projects or meetings and really assess it and understand it and then come up with the solutions. Well, I think you really hit on a really big uh, subject there, Corey, especially all parties need to be involved, right? And that's management, middle management, all the way up to the executive team, all the way down to the floor. And so do you have a time where some of these guys get together and you talk about different things that you can do to make sure that you don't fail, as you put it? Yeah, what, what we try to do is some of our divisions, what they will do is be involved in the process, as I mentioned before, but we've allotted some time for our employees to get together. Once again, each division might be a little bit different or each department might be a little bit different in how they follow through, but we call it EI time, employee involvement time. Okay. And so they can take a look at their area, find out what are causing them some pains and give them the opportunity to work on those issues or those concerns, mm-hmm. but also giving them the resources too. So if they need to pull in, a manufacturing engineer who can, the employee has an idea, but they don't know how to put it together. They don't know how to fix it. A manufacturing engineer can say, oh yeah, I see what you're saying, or this is how we can fix this particular item, or this is how we can change it. And then also getting additional leadership in there, because if you need some assistance from higher up, meaning somebody to, to, to pay for it, or other resources, or going through a capital expenditure, getting those individuals involved as well. So right now, we allow that time for people to be involved in the the employee involvement process and try to give them the time to do so, but also give them the resources, who to go to when they have a question or they have a concern. Sounds good. I mean, I love that. The IE time is uh, very crucial to give the people the time and make sure that they can be successful. Corey, one last question that I have for you. Can you kind of share maybe your favorite moment as a safety professional throughout your career, the most proudest achievement that you've had so far in your career? The proudest achievement, I guess it won't really be necessarily an achievement. Mm -hmm. It's my interaction with the employees. Okay. It's really started out being in human resources. And as I evolved in the profession and then more focused in safety, I enjoy being out in front of people really being out of my office, being with the employees, conducting training, interacting with the employees, really understanding our employees, where they're coming from, and if they have a problem, knowing what they're talking about. As I tell young professionals getting into any field, be it safety or human resources, I always recommend that they spend a lot of time out on the floor and just getting to know your employees and what do they do, but also who they are. Because once you have that established relationship, employees will come to you and tell you what's going well and what's not going well. There may be situations that will will put a process in place and and employees can figure out how to, I guess, override it or there might be a deficiency in the process, like in a guard or something like that. And they come to you and say, hey, Corey, this is what we're seeing. It's not doing what it should be doing. And this is what we're seeing. And we'll thank them for that. And so it allows us to then go in and correct it and make the appropriate changes to protect that individual. Because we want to make sure that employees go home in the same condition that they came to work in. We don't want to see anybody injured. And having that uh, open conversation and establishing a relationship with your employees, I think that's the one thing I really love about my position is just that interaction 
on a day-to-day basis with our employees. Being able to work with them and be boots on the floor. I think that's some good advice for younger safety professionals going into the field. Yeah. You know, really understand what your employees are doing. But also not only that, I think the other thing that can really help is that a lot of times these employees already have the answers, but they just want to be verified that. And so I think that's probably a great thing. So Corey, I want to thank you a lot. Is there any any way that people that are listening can contact you? Yes, yeah. They can contact me via email. That's Corey, C-O-R-E-Y dot Mullard, M-U-L-L-A-R-D. That's going to be at Miller, that's M-I-L-L-E-R, Wells, W-E-L-D-S dot com. So Corey dot Mullard at MillerWells.com. That would probably be the best and easiest way to contact me if anybody has any questions. I can follow up with them at that time. Well, thank you, Corey, for your time today. And uh, I think we all had very valuable information that uh, came from you. And in the future, I, I hope that everything goes well. And thank you for being on Ted Speaks today live. Well, thank you very much, Ted. I appreciate the opportunity and keep up the great work in promoting the profession. Sounds good. Have a great day, Corey. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ted. Thanks for listening to Ted Speaks Live with Ted Carew, your positive safety coach, and my guest, Corey Mullard with Miller Electric Manufacturing. I want to hear your thoughts on human factors related to safety stories at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com and maybe share your story with others to make them better. If you like our show and want to know more, you can check us out at www.healthandsafetynow or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Join us next week and have a safe week.